is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. everybody it's weird islanders the podcast back once again my name is dan joining me as always is my friend mike what's going on tonight mike not too much i got uh elvis in here he's rustling about um out of nowhere (laughs) um but he's here for this this episode he 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 rarely steps by uh for weird islanders he but he he can't he can't resist this episode um which which makes some sense Uh, it's i would say you know we for for a lot of these episodes they they've gone down you know it's pretty clear the path mm-hmm. um or or you can kind of like just make sense off the the jump i have no idea where where this one's gonna go and <laughs> and, and i mean we, we we never we end up going down rabbit holes on every episode but like you know when when you're you're talking about you know chris simon or someone you know where the rabbit holes at least are going to begin mm-hmm. i gotta admit i got no idea where where to start <laughs> or end uh this one well, we're in for a funky adventure. I will tell you that because uh, we're going way back, way, way, way back. And, and this is actually a three man podcast. First two guys have a little bit of a kind of a shared history. And then the third guy is a crazy wild card that I did not expect to uh, to anybody to choose. And uh, I'm glad our guest did. So I can't wait to get to uh, him and then the other two as well. Uh, our guest tonight, the former sports writer for the Poughkeepsie Journal. He's also the host of Under the Ring Wrestling uh, Conversations podcast. And he's just an all-around great guy. And his name is Phil Strum. Phil, how are you? Dan, how are you? Good to be on here. 
I am very, very well. Uh, I have been badgering you for weeks to come on this show, and I'm finally glad we were able to get you on. <laughs> so now I, I promise I'll stop harassing you uh, to come on. Uh, but I love getting different voices on here and uh, and hearing from from different people sort of, you know, outside of where the uh, normal Islanders sphere tends to go. And so uh, I thank you very much for coming on with us. I got to start with a little story, though. So my wife uh, was born in Brooklyn. And her family moved up to the Hudson Valley when she was in middle school. So they, they went to Hyde Park because uh, her father worked for Metro North. And so she stayed up there until she went to college. Um, it's a beautiful area. We love it up there. We were married in Wappingers Falls. Uh, we've hung out in Rhinebeck and, and different places like that and Poughkeepsie area, Hyde Park. And so uh, we, her uncle still lives up there and he's a long time subscriber to the Poughkeepsie Journal. And so we go visit him every couple of times a year. He's my mother-in-law's brother. And so one time we were staying at his house and that's a Sunday morning. I get up and I'm looking, leafing through his copy of the Poughkeepsie Journal. And I see a story about the Rangers being in the cup final. And I'm like, all right. And I'm reading it. And the writer is talking about he's an Islanders fan. And I'm like, wait a minute. The sports writer for the Poughkeepsie Journal is an Islanders fan? How the hell did that happen? I think I might have told my wife, but I'm sure she didn't care less. And it turns out that writer was you. And so I started following you on Twitter, and we've had some conversations. And uh, I'm just, I've got to start with, uh, so you're apparently from the island. Let, let's hear yep. your Islanders origin story. Um, I'm originally from Medford, New York, out in Suffolk County. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, I know Medford. Yep. Beautiful. Still have family in, uh, in, in Bellport and in Bayshore. Oh. Um, out there, so I'm still out there relatively often yeah. when I when I see my family. Um, started actually watching the Islanders, I, I believe, because I was sick with the chicken pox when I was <laughs> two, and we ended up not going to a family event because of that. And I stayed at home with my mom, and it was 1982, I want to say, and uh, my my godmother had gone to a game. And we were basically watching it under the guise of, well, let's see if we see her on TV, that kind of thing. Mm. Of course we didn't, but that was the first <laughs> Islander game I ever watched. I have absolutely no idea who was playing in it, and I was very young. I was not even three years old probably yet. But, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, my whole life, basically, that I can remember, I've at least cared about the Islanders mm. and watched them pretty consistently uh, for all of that. And to point about wrestling I've, I've kind of done that since 1985 with wrestling so um not much has changed in my life in the last 40 <laughs> in the last 40 years or so so ah, um good. you know if you look at you know pictures of me when i was a little kid i'd either wear a wrestling shirt or wear an islander jacket or wear an islander <laughs> shirt or something like that so it's it's all still good well first a shout out to to my friend cody who who is a medford native as well um and a big islander fan and now living in texas or, or wherever he lives now cody um so hello to you um cody. and um i would say that the chicken pox are an appropriate segue into islander fandom <laughs> yeah well <laughs> it's, just it's, it's just pain and you're just I, wondering when it's gonna end yeah i mean yeah. I, I ended up up here uh largely for work i went to college up here too went to new paltz and then uh, just stuck around and i've you know, worked out of Poughkeepsie for the last 17, 18 years, whatever it's been now. So sports writing for some of that other roles within, uh, mm. within the company in the meantime. But uh, yeah. yeah, so there's not that many Islander fans in the Hudson Valley. I think I pretty much know 
yeah. all of them. <laughs> like, and I'm in group <laughs> chats with a bunch of them too. I, I can imagine. So a couple, yeah. old, couple of coaches, actually, uh, one of the coaches uh, from Beacon High School, who I used to cover, actually is a uh, is a huge Islander fan. I go on trips with some Beacon faculty members sometimes. Now we do like a president's whenever they were doing that president's day game that they used to do sometimes yeah, right, right. We'd, get, yeah. we'd get on the metro north and go go down for that uh, a couple of the athletic directors i used to cover from Rhinebeck and red hook are both big islander fans too so it's uh yeah there's, there's like five of us yeah well, yeah i mean it's probably gonna be a pretty small group but i i wonder if that's related to them having played in like i mean not that albany is near poughkeepsie but i wonder if there's any connection there uh between those two you know but. i've talked to some people that remember the capital district islanders yeah. and went to some of those games up there but i think it's mostly just because they were so good in the mm. 80s a couple of the guys i know too like a couple of the guys i mentioned like went to college on the island i know one guy went to hofstra wow. or stony brook or something like that too so <laughs> it's something to do when you're down there yeah, well, yeah, well, and cheap tickets for the college kids too. Usually, yeah, I was gonna say uh, if you had a college uh, ID and a discount, it was probably cheaper than a movie, which is how my yeah. friend Gio and I went to a lot of games in college as well. But uh, yeah, no, that that's great, and uh, it's funny that I, again, you know, here I am in Poughkeepsie or in Hyde Park reading the Poughkeepsie Journal, and all of a sudden I read a article by an Islanders fan who happens to be the sports writer there. So uh, from then on, I, again, I started following you. This was before I got into wrestling, but I noticed you were like a huge wrestling guy. We'll talk wrestling at the end, and and. Uh, We'll hear more about your podcast. Um, but um, let's get into tonight's Weird Islanders trio. And the first guy, now, again, the first two guys kind of share a little bit of a history and, and ended up getting similar jobs uh, after they left the Islanders. We'll talk extensively about that. But this guy, who we're going to start with, you actually had uh, a very cool interaction with as a kid. So, uh, Phil Strum, will you please reveal the first of tonight's Weird Islanders, the podcast subjects? It's Don Maloney. Don Maloney. Now, now nobody turn this off. Don't don't turn it off yet. We're we're gonna get to his GMing in a minute, but we're gonna start with uh, him as a player. Um, do, do you? So you started early, but I mean, you were very little. Do you have any um, recollection? I mean, obviously, we're gonna we'll get to him. We all remember him as a GM, probably. But do you have any recollection of him playing for the Islanders at all? Because it was only a couple of years. And yeah, it was, uh, I do. Eighty nine. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I remember him on the Rangers too. I mean, he was a pretty good scorer <laughs> when he was on the Rangers in the mm-hmm. the mid to late '80s before he, he he left. But yeah, it was sort of the tail end of his career that Maloney was on the Islanders. He was sort of like a third line winger who could kind of like be third line, second line, depending on who he was right. playing with. Um, he was he was good. He was you know mm-hmm. he still had a little bit of you know scoring touch in him, and he was responsible checking and you know everything else. So you know he was. Not that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the Don Maloney from, you know, the late 70s and early 80s with the Rangers, but it was still a serviceable player on a team coached by Al Arbor. So he knew what to do. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I was surprised when I looked at his stats to find out that he had. So he, he played 765 games with the Rangers, which is quite a lot, uh, by far the most with one team. He was there for almost 10 years, I guess. But I didn't realize he had 815 penalty minutes. Like he, he had a couple of hundred penalty minute seasons. I don't remember him being. I mean, I barely remember him as a player at all, but. So I don't remember him as a guy that like fought that much, but I guess I guess he did. Maybe it was just yeah. I guess I know. you know the, the memories are kind of foggy. Like I think it was one <laughs> word I I can describe some of my memories of watching some of those Islander games. But I, I I sort of remember him being kind of gritty as a player. Mm. You know, he wasn't afraid to get his his, his hands yeah. dirty a little bit. Um, 
as a little kid, you know, I'm trying to think he came to the Islanders in 89 or I guess he signed with them in August of 89. So I would have been Mm -hmm. nine when he signed there. So I probably was not happy that they went (laughs) and got Don Maloney from the Rangers. They didn't get him from the Rangers, but he was the he was a Ranger. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, so I've heard this before. So I think you were not alone. In the sense that, like, oh, come on, really? Because, like, they went to, like, he was a Ranger during the early 80s when, like, the Islanders and Rangers played in the playoffs every year. And then, <laughs> and like, that, he had his brother there and everything, and they always lost to the Islanders. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's actually one of the, um, a, a, an interesting fact I discovered about Don Maloney a little while ago. So he's one of only three players that I can find. And if any listeners find further ones, please tell me because I don't know that I'm right. But quick research shows that he's one of only three players in Islanders history to play playoff games for both the Islanders and the Rangers against each other. Because he actually played five playoff games for the Islanders in the 1990 run when they played against the Rangers. The other two that I was able to find who played for the Rangers and the Islanders against each other in the playoffs, where Mike McKee... I was going to guess Mul- Kevin Mullen? Was- uh, Brian Mullen, you're probably Brian thinking Mullen, of. Yeah. I was thinking him, too, and then I realized that he retired at the end of 93, so he never actually played uh, against the Rangers cool. in the playoffs. Okay. Um, any 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 guesses on the other two? Uh, the Islanders have not played the Rangers in the playoffs in a very long time. Yeah. yeah no. I've never seen it. Re- like, I mean, I was, I was four in 1994, <laughs> so I've never right. really seen it. Um, well, you said Mike McEwen a second ago. Mike McEwen, I was, I was yeah. starting to say, was the first one. Yeah. Right, because he was on a couple of the cup teams. I don't think he, he was on a couple of the cup four. teams, and he was on the late 70s Rangers. Oh, wow. oh right. So he, yeah, that's right. So he played against the Islanders, I think, in that 79 series. Yeah. Well, the other uh, one's a little oh, more recent, actually. Mike, do you have a guess? Because I think I might know who it is. Mm, I do not. You can go right ahead. Is it Greg Gilbert? It is Greg Gilbert. Wow. Wow. So Greg Gilbert played on the two, uh, or at least I think he was on the 83 cup team. Yes. And they yeah. played the Rangers. He also played against them in the 84 playoffs too, because they yeah. beat them in 84 also. I, I, love, yeah. I love that my story begins with the Islanders just beating the Rangers over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> but um, So Gilbert was on those yeah. two, and then he, of course, won the Stanley Cup uh, yeah. as a Mike Keenan guy in, uh, right. in 1994 with them. You know, miserable I was day, say, miserable day of going to school the next. Oh, day. yeah. We, no, we don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say Glenn Healy, but I guess he didn't play against the Islanders in that first round series in 94. So, yeah, I checked that one, too. He didn't he didn't get in any of those games. Those, right. That series was so terrible that <laughs> I still, without even looking at hockey reference, remembered who all of the Islanders goal scorers were in that series because they only <laughs> scored four goals. I was going to say all four of them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's so terrible that Elvis uh, is already, uh, he's very angry. You can hear him barking in the background. It was, it was yeah. Ray, Ray, Ray Ferraro with two, Dan Plant with one, and Steve Thomas with one. Wow. Uh, terrible. Man, yeah, I hate the Rangers. And we're not going to talk about them. All right, yeah, moving but, on. Uh, but so anyway, so Don Maloney comes over. Um, I'm sure you were just as, you know, again, people were like, why is this guy here? You know, it's, it's funny too, because P.A. Parento got that same treatment when the Islanders signed him the first time around. Like, what, why do we want this Rangers cast-off guy? And then when he left, it was like, no, PA, come back. We need you. Like, <laughs> and then they did bring him back for a minute, but he didn't, yeah. uh, he didn't stick to opening night. Yeah, he waved, they waved him. Um, and he went yeah. to New Jersey, I think. Yeah. Yes, well, he did. Yeah. Um, that was, I don't know. I, 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 I still think that goes down as one of the most bizarre yes. uh, management things, issues I've ever seen. And, I mean, when you think of, I mean, We'll spend a lot of time talking about management 
uh, in this episode, given uh, Maloney and then another weird Islander plus um, a, a shadow who who looms large when, whenever you're mm. talking about general managers and the Islanders. Uh, that that one, like there's there's bad and then there's like the, the list, there's a bad list and it's very long with the Islanders and, and general managers and it's getting longer, by the way, uh, this season. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and then there's Bizarre. Um, mm. That one definitely kind of is in both you know, the, the shared part of the, the Venn diagram of bad and bizarre, uh, the parent one. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. even Chris Simon too. I remember when Simon signed, I was like, yeah, like I know he only played with the Rangers for a little bit, but I remember this guy just like punching faces with the Rangers shirt. And <laughs> similarly, I was like, I, will, I love this guy very soon after Cairns too. Right. Same thing. Oh but, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, I just forget Cairns is a Ranger. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because yeah. he's been an Islander so much longer now. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's, in the, he's right. in the front office. <laughs> right. It, it yeah. is fun. Like I, I, I mean, you, I still take it personally a lot of times when when guys end up on on the Rangers, um, like mm. like Strom for some reason, like when Strom signed with the Rangers, I was like, where well, we got traded there and then like became a Ranger. I was like, you know, screw this guy. Like, but yeah. but it is funny that like there are some guys like that where you just can't get over it. Um, and mm. it sounds like Maloney for you guys is, yeah. was one of them. And then there's other ones where it's like, nah, like I I, I forgive. I mean, Derek Broussard. I hated Derek Broussard when when he was a Ranger. I hated <laughs> yeah. him. Uh, and then I loved big game brass when he was an Islander. I think when I was younger, it was a little bit different only because I think the way I look at it nowadays, like everybody, like the business moves so fast in the NHL that when guys just jump from team to team, it just mm -hmm. doesn't mean anything to me that it, like it did when I was a kid anymore in the nineties, there were, there was less movement. Guys would spend their entire careers places. So it was more bizarre when you ended up and, and it was even more bizarre when Don Maloney I, I want to say, I don't know if he got hurt that second year or if he was just a healthy scratch a lot, mm. but that was when he started like sitting next to Bill Torrey in the, in the press box all the time, <laughs> which led to him becoming the assistant general manager at, at a, so he was sort of, he was sort of Garth Snow before Garth Snow was Garth Snow. Basically. Yeah. So, so that's a perfect segue. So yeah. So, you know, Maloney plays 91 games in two seasons with the Islanders. Like I said, he had a little pop. He scored 16 goals and 32 assists. So about a half a point a game it's not too bad but you know he was like you said on the, on the decline there um and then yeah so he retires in 1991 and he's immediately an assistant general manager like like boom immediately right? it, it was so <laughs> quick that i used to have the media guide every year i used to buy it i used to go to opening night every year and i would get the media guide and whatever in your book and whatnot and his picture his assistant gm picture i believe in the first media guide and again i might be wrong on this but i seem to remember it was still his player headshot from the previous <laughs> season with the islanders white sweater on <laughs> somebody listening to this has that media guide so please take a, find that media guide i guess that was be 9192 find that media guide and let's see if phil's right that, and, and and i mean you, you said it like he was gar snow before gar snow i i will <laughs> never forget the picture of gar snow on the Islanders website when they said that he was announced as the uh, general manager. So it wasn't a picture of him in his, in like a suit that they just like, Hey Garth, you got to come and take a picture of you. Not, you know, as, as a hockey player, cause you're not a hockey player anymore. You're not the general manager. Uh, yeah. It was a picture of Garth snow mask off one arm <laughs> leaning uh, on the, the over the crossbar, like on the netting of the top of the mm -hmm. net. And he had a bunch of little kids around him. So it was like from like a, a family skate day or something. And they were all facing towards the, uh, you know, towards like the Zamboni entrance, I guess, because uh, they were facing away from like the actual skating rink. And it was like Islanders named Garsno general manager. And it's this picture of the goalie with a bunch of kids around him. I was like, wow. oh, yeah, this, this team, this team really, they, 
they really know how to make these these decisions very sound decisions all the time why didn't they just photoshop clown shoes on him at the same time if they're gonna use that (laughs) picture (laughs) because that's what that whole thing kind of makes it seem like but uh but yes well so yeah maloney was sort of guard snow before guard snow but at least maloney was an assistant gm first like he didn't get the job until like a year later when uh due to uh a big front office restructuring so I don't know if a lot of people know this. I wrote about this in our Lawn Owners series from a few years ago, but Charles Dolan, the guy who owns Cablevision and Jim's uh, father, had plans to buy the Islanders. And with that came a whole front office restructuring. That was when Bill Torrey stepped down and his successor as a GM was, you know, handpicked was Don Maloney, who was, had been his assistant for a year. And uh, it was very weird. And And I mean, I, this to me, again, I don't remember Maloney much as a player, but I remember it was very weird to me that the guy who replaced Bill Torrey was a guy who played for the Rangers. And like, this is where I come in. It's like, it, it was a it very was tumultuous so time for the yes. front office for the Islanders back then, because, you know, it, while everyone remembers Bill Torrey incredibly fondly now as the guy that mm-hmm. built the entire dynasty and he's got a banner up in the rafters with a bow tie and everything, you got to remember at that time. They were willing to, first of all, they held on to a lot of those players far longer than their expiration dates, which basically (laughs) became the problem of why the Islanders started missing the playoffs, uh, because Mm. they were getting draft picks that were not the best players, and they weren't making the best picks either. But Sounds really, really familiar. (laughs) But in addition to that, they also let Brian Trottier walk in the 90 season, I believe it was. And yeah. that was a very unpopular move to let somebody who is the franchise's all-time leading scorer and one of the most beloved players in the history of the Islanders go. And then you follow that up a few years later with Pat LaFontaine holding out and yeah. needing to trade him and make a massive... I mean, the two trades that happened that day were mind-blowing mm. as a young Islander fan to have that many people coming and going in the same day. Those were fantastic trades, both of them with Buffalo and Chicago that day. But Bill Torrey was kind of running out of, you know, his equity as, you know, having (laughs) being okay as Islanders GM. Like if he didn't leave, he was probably going to be gone anyway. And Maloney was sort of the guy in waiting. And 93, you can give him some of that because he mm. was the GM. But uh, yeah, what what ensued from that wasn't too pretty. But uh, no, <laughs> you know, but, no, but you know, Tory fans were not happy with Bill Tory at that time. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, probably even earlier than that, he was probably already, you know, people were kind of ready to move on and, and get to somebody else because at this point, the Islanders, you know, dynasty was was well over. Uh, yeah, so Tory stepped down. The Gang of Four bought into ten percent of the club, and um, Al Arbor was still coach at this time because in ninety two, ninety three, Maloney's first year in the job, they went on this incredible run all the way yeah. to the Prince of Wales Conference Finals. At first, things started out pretty well <laughs> for old Don Maloney. It's a yeah, crazy. he made. I'm sure he made. I don't remember which of those moves that he made by the time Tory was gone. Who was on that '93 team that Tory didn't bring in? The bulk of that '93 team was built by Tory because he had those right. two trades. All, a whole bunch of his draft picks were on that team, and then yeah. even like Ray Ferraro came over, and I think a deadline deal from Hartford the year before. Yeah, um, and just stuck around. 
and then was the yeah. leading scorer in the playoffs, I think, too, if I remember right. But <laughs> Yeah, uh, he was a Tory trainer. When you mentioned Brian Mullen before, I think Brian Mullen might have been, again, an ex-ranger, was a Maloney signing, I think. <laughs> I think he was a Maloney acquisition. But they, they he, yeah. he, you know, uh, I don't think either of the goalies were him either. I'm trying to think who he brought in. I don't know. I don't even know. Because uh, yeah, a lot of those guys, Hogue was in the Buffalo trade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he held it together. I, you know, that 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 team in '93 was really good. It's like, you know, you have that kind of talent coached by Al Arbor and Arbor. Yeah, Arbor was '93 and '94, and yes. then the lockout year of '95 was Lauren Henning. Right then it was, and then Milbury. and then yeah. Milbury yeah. came after that. Yeah, but I, I think, think he did a better job. Had... He probably overall did a better job than Milbury. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Although Milbury well... eventually got them back to the playoffs too, but. Yeah, but uh, and actually, it's funny because Milbury's first move was all right. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So Maloney starts out with the ninety two ninety three run. Uh, I think we could all agree that it was probably more about Al Arbor and the goalies and catching fire uh, than you know his work there. But then things kind of take a downturn. They get swept by the Rangers in ninety four. Uh, ninety five. He decides to trade Turjan and Vladimir Malikov for Matthew Schneider and Kirk Muller. And this is really where the beginning of the end starts for, for Don Maloney, and eventually he is fired. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Gord Miller with Bob McKenzie. We'll check in with four Canadian rinks and get you the latest news of what's going on tonight. But the big story today in the NHL comes from Long Island, where the Don Maloney era is over with the New York Islanders. The team announced this afternoon that he is gone as the general manager in his fourth season with the team. The Islanders had little to show for his term as GM. When we began the season... We had every expectation that the combination of Don Maloney as our general manager, Mike Milbury as our new coach, and the young talent we had with the complement of the older veterans that we had would bring us a more youthful, dynamic team and a greater competitive level. Obviously, that has not been achieved at this point. So this is something that has developed recently, but we had to take stock in where we are right now we promised our fans we would bring a winning tradition back to the New York Islanders. We have not achieved that at this point. We will do that. Maloney, the former Ranger, was considered by many Islander fans to be an outsider from the start. He got the job in August of 92. His team was 20 games under 500, but did make the playoffs in 93 and in 1994. He was a scout for a while. Then he resurfaces with Phoenix and... Uh, makes them like a pretty competitive team on a shoestring budget. And I remember thinking to myself, where was this guy when the Island, when he was GM and the Islanders, I guess, you know, you chalk it up to experience because he didn't really yeah. have much when he took over, but man, the, the, the plaudits, you talk about people praising, you know, Bill Torrey or whatever, or maybe by that now, and it was a little different back then people praising Don Maloney for his work in Phoenix will never be, not, never not be weird to me. Cause I'm yeah. like, guys, come on. <laughs> I think he made some he made some attempts to improve the team from ninety three to ninety four that mm. that overall just didn't work out. Um right. Ron Hextall had a very good season in nineteen ninety four. Uh yeah. I think he had four shutouts in a row at one point, maybe three, and then it was like long into yeah. the fourth game or something like that. But when the first move you make out of a long playoff run that is unprecedented mm. is getting rid of Glenn Healy, who was the goalie who was behind the whole thing. And Healy <laughs> was, you know, not the most spectacular goalie in NHL history by any yeah. means, but he was very popular. He was very popular in the room. And he was a huge part of the success of 1993 and why it happened. So 
Mm. First thing you do is go get it like a ringer. That's Ron Hextall <laughs> who also became a GM, by the way. Yes. But, uh, you know, and if the failure of Hextall and Jamie McClennan in that playoff series against the Rangers can't be underestimated. I mean, the Rangers oh, just absolutely ran them over and mm. Hextall got pulled, I think twice. Uh, McClennan wasn't any better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that was, that was Maloney in a nutshell. It's like he, he, he tried to improve the team and he, and he failed. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. And the Kirk Muller gambit, uh, you can hear all about in our episode of Weird Islanders podcast, Kirk Muller with our friend, Michael Paul Smith. So check that out if you haven't already. But, uh, so, so, you know, his tenure with the Islanders really wasn't very long at all. I mean, by, by 95, by December of 95, he was already out and he showed up in 89. So in six years to go from player to assistant GM to GM to fired, is uh, a pretty rapid <laughs> kind of, of rise and flame out at the same time. Uh, but uh, needless to say, he, he left an impression uh, that is still talked about today. And I know a lot of people out there, maybe half kidding, maybe half serious, kind of think he was a Rangers plant in order to destroy the Islanders. But uh, as you said before, uh, I don't think the Islanders needed any help in, in destroying themselves because they yeah. were already kind of halfway there. <laughs> And, and I did have the opportunity, as you as you alluded to oh, yeah. earlier, of uh, speaking to Don Maloney. This is crazy. So in 1993, uh, I guess it was probably for that whole season, the regular season. And then back then, the playoff games were actually on your normal cable, too. So mm-hmm. um, first round, Islanders are playing Washington. And that's this, the Dale Hunter series, as you said. Mm. And I, this it was probably the... Uh, it was either the first or the second home game of the series, which would have either been game three or game four. And mm-hmm. Hunter was just on a tear. Like he just kept scoring and the Islanders mm-hmm. had like nothing for him. So there was this segment on the pregame show called from the top hosted by Stan <laughs> Fischler, where he was interviewing ah. either the general manager or the assistant general manager. And you could call in, there was a number and they'd screen your call and maybe let you on the air or whatever. So I called Don Maloney on that show and they put me on uh, and it said, Phil from Medford right on the bottom of the screen. And I asked my question, I was in eighth grade. So my voice was very high, (laughs) (laughs) but I asked him what the, how the Islanders were going to cover Dale Hunter defensively tonight. And he basically said that they had to be physical and they had to hit him and they had to clear him from the front of the crease. And, and, you know, Stan joked around and said, well, who's going to have that responsibility? And Maloney was like, well, certainly not me and probably not you. So <laughs> I, I, somewhere that exists on a VHS tape I have in a oh box God. somewhere. But uh, yeah, that was my one ever interaction with Don Maloney while he was That's Islanders amazing. general manager. Uh, man, I, I have a my one interaction with, with any Islander general manager. I was Mike Milbury. Uh, and it was in the box office of the old Coliseum. and. Uh, it, it was a winter matinee. The Islanders were out of the playoffs and it was, I can't remember who they were playing, but all I remember is I told my friend uh, to take my phone, which was, this was 2006, maybe 2005. So it was, it was probably flip cell phone without camera on it. Um, <laughs> and I told him, Hey, can you tell, I want to get Millberry over there. Tell him I'm taking a picture. So I was like, Mike, let me get a picture. Uh, and my phone, like I said, didn't have a camera on it. So my friend fake took a picture and handed it back. And Milbury's like, oh, let me see it. And I was like, nah. And I just walked away. Um, <laughs> and that was it. And that's that's how I pulled one over on, on Mad Mike. Because I thought, you know, I wasted some of his time uh, after he had wasted 
years of mine. Years. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say wasted half of your life at that point, probably. Uh, yeah. That's really funny. I saw Mike Milbury at the box office at the, the Fleet Center one day when I was seeing a, an Islanders Bruins game. And I, I didn't know what to say to him. So many things rushed into my head. Should've, you should have beaten him with a shoe or something. <laughs> I think, I'm sure that was one of the things. But Thanks for so, trading yeah. Luongo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't even get me started. Uh, anyway, so um, so this was a good segue, though. I'm glad you brought this up, Mike, because this is a good segue to our second Weird Islander of the night. Now, this guy also was a former Islanders player. He also was an assistant GM for the Islanders, and he also became a general manager himself, much like Don Maloney before him. So, Phil Strom, will you please reveal the second of tonight's Weird Islanders, the podcast subjects? Darcy Regeer. Yes. So, Darcy Regeer, I'm sure a lot of people are like, wait, the guy who was a general manager for the Sabres for like 50 years? Yes, this man played for the Islanders very briefly. <laughs> he was a defenseman. Actually, he was he was drafted so long ago. He was drafted by the California Golden Seals. So there's your first Golden Seals reference on this show. Uh, it was fifth round, 1976, the year I was born. Uh, and uh, he played uh, 26 career games in the NHL, 15 with the Cleveland Barons, where the uh, Golden Seals moved. And uh, eventually was traded to the Islanders uh, with uh, Wayne Merrick uh, for J.P. Parisi and Jean Potvin in a very important trade. And uh, played 11 games for the Islanders over the course of a couple of seasons, 82, 83, and then 83, 84. Spent a long time in the minors. He played for six seasons in Fort Worth and Indianapolis. And uh, then eventually, I think he got into scouting and then uh, and then GMing as well. Um, do you have any, I mean, this is 11 games, so the answer is probably no. But like, do, do you have any recollection of Darcy Regeer at all before he became like, the Islanders assistant general manager <laughs> or uh, not, or was not just particularly sort of, uh, as a player. Like, like yeah. I used to read all the Xander Hollander little hockey uh, <laughs> handbooks when I was a little kid to kind of learn about the players and everything like that. Right. And little, little headshots with the guys and their heights and their weights and all their stats <laughs> and everything like that. <laughs> but um, I remember like him being in the system, but mm. I mean, back then, and we, we talked about this a little bit before we did this, but, the Islanders were so good in the eighties that their team won the Stanley cup and one season in the dynasty, both of their minor league teams also won the minor league championships in the same <laughs> season. So if you were in the, if you were in the Islanders system right. and playing regularly in like the IHL, you probably weren't even that bad. You just mm. couldn't possibly crack an Islanders lineup that was completely like impenetrable. Yeah. Especially for defensemen, like you said. I mean, forget it. Who, yeah. who are you going to unseat? Ken Morrow? Right. Like, no. It's the, <laughs> it's, Kenny Morrow, they had Dennis Potvin, they had Stefan Pearson, right. they had Dave Longevin, they had Gordy Lane, yeah. you know, it, just stalwarts that were winning right. championships right. consecutively. There's no reason to change that. Yeah, there's no way those guys are going anywhere. And so, yeah, if you're a Darcy Regeer, who is, you know, yeah, like you said, probably probably a totally fine player <laughs> in his day, but, you know, he's stuck. And like you said before, too, like it's what there wasn't that kind of movement you know, I think free agency was harder to come by and I don't think he was going to get traded to anybody anytime soon. And, and, you know, Bill Torrey certainly wasn't going to let him get away because just in case somebody got hurt, you need to call him up. And so he did end up again playing 11 games, but most of his time was spent in the, in the minors and in Fort Worth and in Indianapolis. Um, but at some point he becomes management and he's an, again, assistant general manager under Don Maloney for a little while. 
And then even, uh, even before that, too, um, hmm. he was the guy and and before he had an assistant general manager title, I think even he had some other interesting title, like director of analysis or director of personnel or something like that from about from the time he retired, which would have been like 84. I think there was a year where he left and went somewhere else and then he came back again. Hmm. But basically his role was analytics and video and this is like 1984 so it's like yeah he was doing that stuff and he was really regarded as like the innovator in the nhl of video breakdown and i saw something while i was researching this too that when they named the stat corsi the original uh thought toward naming it was actually to name it the regeer because the person who came up with the Corsi stat actually initially heard the concept from Darcy Regeer. Wow. <laughs> he was assistant brutal. GM. He was assistant coach for a little while. Yeah. And then you mentioned the whole, the Milbury, uh, when he, you were going into that, where he ended up after that, but he, right. he had a very interesting work history with the Islanders. Yeah. He was a coach, minor league coach. He was assistant coach, I guess for a little while too. Um, yeah, he did all kinds of stuff. It's crazy. And I did not know that about the, uh, the analytics stuff or that Corsi might've been, why didn't they just do Darcy? I don't understand. It's not really easier to say. <laughs> Darcy per 60. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it rolls off the tongue a lot easier than the gear per 60. Jeez. Uh, and I, and I read too, the reason they named it Corsi is just because they thought Corsi sounded better, but Darcy's fine. <laughs> right. Exactly. The, uh, the one thing I, I'll always think about with Darcy Regeer is, um the to go to the mike com forums once again um whenever people would talk about you know the you know millberry would do something stupid which uh you know was a weekly occurrence uh the the, the forums would light up with like who would be the next gm or whatever and, and then there's the you know the gm search with before neil smith and and darcy regeer's name was always brought up it was always darcy regeer and i for some reason i remember there was this crazy rumor, and I think I brought this up either on this show or Islanders Anxiety before, that the assistant general manager of the Orlando Magic was like a front runner because of a connection with Wong or something. It was like I think his name was John Weisbrod. I oh, can't yeah. remember exactly, yeah, but he's like been with it, Fox for a little while, I think too. Yeah, and it was just like crazy rumor that I don't know if someone just was having a you know, like taking the piss on the on the forum or something like uh, that. This it was. Wong was deciding between Darcy Regeer, like making a pitch for Regeer from to take him from the Sabers, or this guy from the Orlando Magic. And everyone's <laughs> like, "Why on earth would we be going after a general manager from the National Basketball Association when we play in the National Hockey League, mm. which are two completely different sports?" Uh, <laughs> and then it ends up, you know, a couple months later that the backup goalie is the general manager. So. I don't, I don't know which would have been crazier. Like what would have been crazier hiring a GM from, I guess now it like kind of happens. Like you'll see guys switch sports in like football right. or whatever, but like, or, or go when, when Condoleezza Rice was rumored to become the GM of the Browns. Um, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe Charles Wong wanted Colin Powell cause they were boys <laughs> to be the GM of the Islanders. But uh, yeah, like, I don't know what would have been crazier. Uh, I, I, I think Regeer, Regeer, Darcy Regeer would have been the, uh, the safer, maybe better choice. Uh, if, yeah, if, slightly. But he had a sweet <laughs> gig with Buffalo. I think mm. it's a shame that teams don't 
look outside the box a little bit more when snow happened i was like oh come on this is ridiculous <laughs> but then honestly he drafted well yeah. and you know for for what it was it worked okay like yeah. i i think the outside the box gm candidates are okay because you know you look lula amarillo you know obviously the man has a track record he's won three stanley cups but he was an outside the box hire sure. with the Devils. He was the right athletic time. director at Providence Prov- uh, yeah. College, and he, you know, he used to he coached in the Cape Cod Baseball League for crying out loud. <laughs> he was Bobby Valentine's Cape Cod coach, and he was he hired Rick Patino at uh, right. at uh, Providence. So he was not necessarily a hockey yeah. guy, but right. he knew the game. It, 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 and no, you're right. I think the thing, the funny thing about Snow is that you know, and his his kind of error bars are so wide like he had some some spectacular moments and some absolute just duds um mm. and some stuff in between too so yeah it was it, i mean I, I think everybody has kind of landed on the same spot with gar snow somehow it, it, it took a, a while a wild route to get to where we think he was just like you know pretty good general manager for what the islanders were and I uh, just kind of ran out of runway there and somebody needed to, to button up the organization. I think uh, his attitude too. I think he, he, he could tend to be abrasive to people yes. both in the media and, in, in, and just in general. Um, you don't see that from Lemarillo is a straight arrow who never veers ever. Like he doesn't even give you the emotion. So right. snow, snow was fiery. Snow, when you watched him play, he was fiery. So yeah. I, I think it's a shame that Regeer never got a shot as Islanders GM, because it seemed like with, you know, with the being sort of a protege of Tory, a protege mm-hmm. of Arbor and sort of an innovator at the same time. And he had a lot of success in Buffalo for the seven, 17 or so years he yeah. was there. Yeah. I was going to say, like, talk about guys who build good teams on a shoestring budget. Nobody did it better than Darcy Regeer. Like they yeah, had there's... no money up there. And he, those teams were great for a long time. Similar in a way, I think, too, to that uh, Jimmy Devolano was never the Islanders general manager. Right. Jimmy, Jimmy Devolano, when, I don't know if you guys saw it when they did the alumni thing last year. They were talking about all the different people he drafted on the Islanders and the Red Wings. And it was like, wow, he basically ran the drafts of two teams that basically just ran the table in the NHL <laughs> in two different decades. He drafted Potvin and Lidstrom for crying out loud. Like, really? You, you get crazy. a once-in-a-generation defenseman twice in your yeah, career. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, because he went on to yeah be GM in the Red Wings after leaving the Islanders. But uh but yeah, so Darcy Regeer, you know, he he worked under Tory, he worked under Milhoney, he left to go to the Whalers for a year, he came back, he worked under uh he worked with Mike Milbury again while Maloney was the the GM and they fired Maloney and they needed to hire a new GM and Darcy got the call. Darcy Regeer will be the acting general manager. If you are wondering who Darcy Regeer is, he's been in the organization since 1978 and was most recently the team's assistant general manager. No surprise whatsoever that the the change was made today. What is a surprise, though, is the fact that Mike Milbury was not automatically given the job. Darcy Regeer, a longtime foot soldier in the Island organization, has the interim job right now. And the information I get from Long Island is that both Regeer and Milbury will be considered for it, but that neither one of it is neither one of them is a lock for that job. And that does come as a surprise because everybody assumes Mike Milbury is there to pick up the pieces. Until they went with with Milbury full time. Uh, a couple of weeks after getting the gig, Milbury fires Regeer just before he was supposed to head out to watch the World Juniors in Switzerland. Uh, that must have went over pretty well. Uh, Darcy later would say that uh, he wasn't too 
bent out of shape about it. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it feels like it was a bit of a breaking point for him. It would have been for me anyway. That that had to be pretty tough. Like I've put how long into this, and this guy who just basically flew in from Boston like a year, not even a year ago, is all of a sudden the GM and coach, and I'm sitting right here. I don't. That that probably didn't sit. I bet you that uh, wouldn't have worked well either, just because Milbury doesn't strike them, yeah. me as being a coursey guy. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no, no. And if Regeer was throwing him a whole bunch, you know, pages of analytics, and Milbury's just like, "Oh, come on, I don't right. need to hear this about Travis Green," you know, like, <laughs> I, I, I just don't think that those two were. I mean, they, it was a marriage of circumstance. Regeer was still there, and they didn't get rid of him. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So, um, and I mean, he he did that. that, Those Sabres teams, I I learned you learned to hate them, and uh, but they what what they clearly had was just like a, a like a vision almost, like a like you could see where the Sabres were going every year, like they were taking another step, and they had those um, you know, like a really to your point about it being kind of progressive, like that blue line was they they moved the puck really well, like Brian Campbell. Uh, move the puck so well towards Jitnick, towards Jitnik. Oh man, <laughs> oh man. Hopefully, you know Alexei's the best. Um, yeah, yeah. Jitnik, <laughs> him, uh, Campbell. Like even like who's it? Like Tepo Newman in. Like um, they they seem to just for for that era be like a, a closer to this era team uh, than most teams in the NHL. Um, and they had a really, you know, the one of the things going back to that forum that people would always bring up about uh, Regeer is that like the goaltending in Buffalo was always so good it mm. went, went from what basically Hashik to, to Miller. Uh, I think right. there were like a couple like guys in there, like Marty Biron, Mik- <laughs> Marty Biron there. and like right. Miko Norin in or something mm. like, so, but generally like they were, uh, they were good goalies and, and the, the coaching turnover was almost non-existent. They went from Teddy to rough and rough was there for, right. for so long. Um, yeah. So like in a weird way, Buffalo, the Islanders are really aspiring. Like uh, people on the forum are like, we want to be like the Sabres. It almost feels like we're heading back towards those days right now. <laughs> yeah. He was always, he, again, he was, I've probably said this before on Islanders anxiety, but I was a Millbury apologist for a long time. Cause I was like, you know, this guy doesn't have any money. The ownership here stinks. What are you going to do? But Darcy Regeer changed all that for me because I was like, wait, this, this guy has no money either. And his teams are good. So what the hell is Mike's excuse? But <laughs> it was a whole other thing. Um, before we move on to our last guy. So, yeah. So, Darcy Regeer, short-time Islander, long-time general manager. I'm really surprised he hasn't popped up again, but uh, we don't know if he's gotten any offers or anything, but uh, I would like to see uh, see him back because, uh, again, he did some pretty crazy things back then. But uh, I'm glad you mentioned him before, Mike, because we're going to throw in a little – we're going to do it live. We're going to throw in a little bonus weird Islander. Neil Smith, drafted in the 13th round of the 1974 <laughs> amateur draft by your New York Islanders. Never played for them. Was GM for 40 days. <laughs> Uh, and he has a Stanley uh, Cup ring with the Islanders. Yes, he does. Uh, and with the Rangers, too. So um, as, as their GM and uh, 40, 40 amazing days as the Islanders GM before being replaced by the previous season's backup goalie. <laughs> so uh, nobody's going to top that. Uh, he also got into a, uh, a hilarious uh, argument with two of my good friends from Lighthouse Hockey, Keith Quinn and Mark. So that was the greatest thing ever. The uh, uh, go the GFY and go buy a suit. Uh, if you're an old time lighthouse hockey uh, <laughs> subscriber and uh, and reader, um, but so so there's not much to really talk about with Darcy Regeer other than his his time with Buffalo. But uh, I do find it funny that like you know the, you talk about like alternate 
universes, multiverses, you know, uh, possible alternate timelines. Man, what what could have happened had Darcy Regeer become Islanders GM at <laughs> the time when they gave it to Mike Milbury? Whew, the mind the mind boggles. Uh, it's a little bit crazy, but uh, it's, it is funny that, you know, he also got his start with the Islanders. Um, our last guy tonight has nothing to do with either of these two guys. Um, but when Phil and I were talking and he was picking guys, he he had this great story about a player who I don't even know why I put this guy on the list. I think I was just looking at older teams and like guys who only played a couple of games. Uh, I am both shocked and thrilled that somebody picked this guy because I didn't think anybody would. So uh, Phil Strom, will you please reveal the final subject of tonight's episode of weird Islanders, the podcast Garth McWiggin. <laughs> if you're sitting, listening to this episode right now and you have in your mind's eye, a recollection of Garth McWiggin playing for the Islanders, you are a very old <laughs> and B you have a great memory. This man played five games for the Islanders and he recorded a grand total of one assist. <laughs> that was it. That was his entire NHL career. Five games with the Islanders, one assist. He played a couple of games in 79, 80, and then a couple of games in 83, 84. He spent nine seasons in the minors, nine uh, with Fort Worth and Indianapolis to Islanders farm teams at the time he was drafted in the third round so he wasn't you know he didn't just walk on he was you know pretty i guess a relatively high draft pick when they probably had 13 rounds back then but uh but phil like you're you have an actual story revolving yep. around garth mcguigan that is i mean you have to be the only person on earth that has a story about this guy in this time for the islanders so will you please share it with us because uh th- i have to get this out this is unbelievable when you told me this story yeah so when i was a kid um, my, my mom and my godmother would take me to Islanders practice. Uh, and sometimes it was, you know, in the years before I was like school age. So they'd like literally bring me there with like a lunch box. I'd have my lunch and I'd watch Islander <laughs> practice because they were open back then. You can go to them. That's crazy. And, um, it was at Kediak park in Hicksville. And so my experience with Garth McWiggin is, so he was a call up during the 83, 84 season, which was actually his last stint in the NHL. Uh, he didn't, he didn't appear in the league after that. I think he played one more, one or two more years, in the minors after that season. So I show up at this practice. I've got my official NHL sticker book. I'm running around trying to get autographs after the practice and stuff. So I'm going to all the different players, you know, getting literally the entire team to sign this sticker book. <laughs> and so, my mom and I go up to Garth McGuigan <laughs> and I ask him for his autograph. And now, now, now keep in mind, some of this is my own memory. Most of it is my mom retelling the story many, many times over the years. <laughs> so I went up to Garth McGuigan and asked him for his autograph. And he said, you don't even know who I am. And since I'm me at four, I still kind of like I knew a little bit of the background of everybody in the system and on the team and everything because I had all these books and everything. Mm. So I told Garth McGuigan who he was <laughs> and that I, I could identify him. <laughs> I told him when they called him up from the minor leagues, I told him what affiliate he had been playing for, that he had been <laughs> playing for the Indianapolis Checkers. And I think I threw him a couple of his stats from previous minor league seasons. <laughs> So he was blown away and gave me the autograph and could not believe that a four-year-old was able to rattle off his minor league statistics to him. But that's uh, that's my, I have Garth McWiggins autograph somewhere. 
Uh, I don't know where it is. I didn't, I didn't like frame it or anything, but uh, yeah, it, it, it had to be during the, it, it seemed to be only played in 79, 80, 83, 84. It had, you know, just as I wasn't old enough to be able to do that in 79, 80, because I was born in 79. But um, yeah, so uh, that was my Garth McGuigan story. My mom retells that a lot. Basically, I probably made his day. <laughs> it I mean, made that's, easier. <laughs> that's unbelievable. And the fact that like you went on again to be a sports writer, <laughs> it's kind of, it, it, it goes right to that. Like, you know, even before you kind of remembered this, this minor league call up guys, stats and stuff. That's, that's unbelievable. But like, I mean, he has to still remember that story. Cause again, he, he did not spend a lot of time in the NHL. So even playing, even getting to practice with those guys is probably a huge memory for him. But I, I wonder if he's been telling the story as long as your mom has about like, <laughs> yeah, man, I was at Islanders practice and this four year old kid re- you know, re- repeated my stats at me. Like that's gotta be pretty wild. I, mean, I can't yeah, even, I don't, I don't even know where I got it from. Like, honestly, <laughs> I honestly was probably just reading the hockey books yeah. and, and sort of reciting right. and, and remembering things. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I knew, I knew who the players were back then. The other thing that was easier as a kid uh, to identify players was just that most of them didn't wear helmets and a lot of them didn't wear helmets. Yeah. Right. So um, they, my mom tells this story too. Like, you know, she went to an autograph signing with me. That was Billy Smith and uh, Bobby Nystrom in the early eighties. And I we walk in the room and I immediately pointed to Bobby Nystrom and then pointed about to my mom and Billy mm-hmm. Smith turned to me and he was like, well, do you know who I am? But he wears a right. mask. I didn't know. I couldn't <laughs> tell him outside of his mask. He wears a goalie mask all the time. Yeah. So right. I insulted Billy Smith, but I like I complimented <laughs> Garth McQuiggan apparently. <laughs> well, I mean, you insulted Billy Smith, but you live to tell the tale. So that's the good news. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> and I, I, I met him other times too. So but if he had taken a slash at somebody with a stick, you would have recognized him, I'm sure. Like, oh yeah, if I, I know. Was you Lindy now, Ruff, like, I would have recognized him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wonder I wonder if he does remember that. It would be really I, I have not heard no. anything about garth mcguigan since yeah. that i mean just knowing that he was an islanders reasonably good draft pick i mean third mm. round 50th overall yeah. again stacked team at that time he's a center iceman who are you gonna bench Brian <laughs> right. scoring you know, yeah, exactly like, yeah wayne wayne merrick like those guys they got spots you know yeah. anders Keller, they and they all spots. had roles like <laughs> right yeah so I don't, I don't know where he even slotted in i don't remember him playing uh, I, I remember that he was there. That's pretty much mm. it. Yeah. But uh, probably played some fourth line minutes, and <laughs> that was it's, probably it. It's incredibly hard to find weird Islanders from that era for this exact reason. They were just too good. <laughs> like there's nobody. You know, fast forward thirty years, and there's an awful lot of spots for an awful lot of guys to play an awful few amount of games. So that's uh, pretty crazy. But uh, I wonder if those Indianapolis Checkers teams from that era could have beaten some of the bottom feeding teams in the <laughs> NHL. Yeah, probably a pretty good chance they could have beaten like the Jets. Yeah, I know. Um, I think they won back to back championships when Kelly Rudy was their goalie. He might have won back to. He definitely won at least one. He might have won back to back. So pretty sure from that McGuigan day. So I have a roll of film from that day. Mm. He's not. I don't have a picture with Garth McGuigan. I kind of wish I did now. <laughs> um, yeah. there is a picture on that roll of Kelly Rudy who had also just been called up. Wow. I think talking to my mom oh wow like he's just standing there talking to my mom outside That's of kenny really park but the rest <laughs> of the role is like kenny morrow kenny morrow lifting me uh trottier's in that role of film uh dennis potvin matt Celine, um brent sutter uh thomas jansen i'm trying to think of who else but it's all different it's uh 
think Clark Gillies maybe because I wow. I think I showed Clark Gillies that because I met mm. Clark Gillies again outside of the Barclays Center once as an adult. Right. So I had the picture of him and I as me as four and I and me as uh, thirty six or thirty seven or whatever I was. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's it was kind of crazy to be a kid growing up in that era because I kind of never thought the Islanders were going to stop winning. <laughs> and they I did. Can imagine why? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, I, I was posed with this question, I think last last season or over the off season from someone like a listener who asked the question of like, do you, do you ever think the Islanders will win a Stanley cup in, in your lifetime? Um, which is so funny because I think when you think back to Islander fans of, of, of your vintage or going back to, you know, even older than you guys, it's, it is just the opposite, which is like, it was unfathomable that the Islanders would, would ever be bad. Right. Um, and now it's, you know, it's the opposite. And, and, and <laughs> I used to say, like, I hadn't really thought of it in, in such a long time when that question was asked. And um, it, it became, you know, very, very much a question about existentialism and, and, and mortality because it's like, yeah, like, I remember, like, when people would ask me this question in high school, I knew the answer was yes. And now, you know, we're getting uh, you know, 20, almost 20 years later. And I'm like, oh, boy. They will. That's just the answer. Uh, honestly, yeah. 20 and 20, 20 was a ridiculous season for everybody. Um, I had so much fun watching the 20 run, and I had so much fun watching the 21 run. Even <sighs> the 21 run, man. I don't know if I've yeah. ever been more present in my life than, than I was. Uh, I was just emotional, then. and it was just, it was just so, it was so nice to see them get back to that respectability again. And I, and I thought they really had a shot, but they ran into another dynasty team. Right. And a team they couldn't solve in the, in the playoffs, but I don't see any, you know, like they, they've got their bumps in the 22, 22 is ridiculous with all the different weird obstacles they had last season. I don't think they're that many moves off of like winning. Like, so but that's like, what it makes looks- it so frustrating. That's what well, makes I mean, it so frustrating. Is, is, I'm also is an optimist. Like, yeah, no, I, I try to be as much as we can, or we try to be. I guess, but like, man, it, you're right. I look at it as like, they, they are, they have the hard parts, the goalie, the, the, mm. the, they're deep down the middle and they've got a yep. defense they can use and, and build around. But is culture of losing optimism? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I am. Sometimes it might be like, and I go through this all the time. Like you wake up and you're like, oh man, there's no way they win tonight. And then by around lunchtime, you're like, you know what? I think they can do it. And then as soon as yeah. puck, the puck is dropped, you're like, mm, it's tonight. It's not the night. It's not going to happen. <laughs> But the, the reason, though, that I think you, you're an optimist is because you've seen it happen. I mean, like, literally, yes. they hired a new coach. They brought in Robin Leonard, Val Philpola, and Leo Komarov. And they went to the playoffs. They, they finished second in the division. They went to the playoffs, and they swept the first round. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> it's just insane that that, that that happened. Like, it's crazy. I, so I still think this year's team could do something. I was telling a, a non-Islander fan – I actually don't even know who he's a fan of. So again, I was thinking he might be a Ranger fan, but I'm not even totally sure. Um, I just want them to sneak in with the second wild card because all you need to do is qualify. Yep. Like you don't need to. I don't want to do what the Bruins are doing because they're not going to win the cup. And I just mm. predicted that the team that wins the president's trophy usually doesn't win the cup. So like, I'd rather get healthy, get consistent, clean up your stuff to paraphrase Jack Capuano and just just fix it. 
Like, mm. there's no reason this team can't go on a nice streak. I mean, your lips. It's possible. Uh, I'm sorry to my Bruins friends. Uh, ah, who, uh, I just predicted their downfall. Uh, you mean like Mike's wife? <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, um, I actually know one guy from Long Island, or who I, who I knew on Long Island, who's like a diehard Bruins fan. So I'm thinking mostly of him, and he'll probably listen to this too. So sorry, Jim. <laughs> well, I, I hope he does. I hope he enjoys it. Um, in the meantime, before. Uh, you know, it, when you're or when you're done listening to this, uh, you should check out Phil's podcast, which is called Under the Ring. It's conversations with wrestling superstars. Um, it is fantastic. I listened to an episode with Kofi Kingston, who is just as effervescent apparently in real life as he is in the wrestling ring, which is kind of crazy. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Under the Ring. Uh, it's been going for a while now, and you've talked to a lot of big guys. You talk, uh, the Eddie Kingston episode was great. You had a lot of big big names on there. Yeah, it's really interesting the way it kind of evolved over time. Um, so I had a blog when blogs were really huge called Under the Ring uh, in association with the Poughkeepsie Journal. And through that, I was doing a lot of interviews and stuff like that. It was always kind of a supplemental thing to what I was actually doing with my work. But it was always a fun thing where I made a lot of connections and stuff. And just over time, I didn't have time to blog anymore. Like I was doing more at work and it was and also there was way more wrestling on that i could possibly blog about right <laughs> so it just got dormant and I, I wasn't paying attention to it anymore and then just the last little while is kind of like yeah you know what yeah the podcast sphere is so crowded mm. but i still have all of these contacts so what am i doing like <laughs> i could do something you know, where it's and all it is just for the format for people listening. It's it's a it's about 30 minutes every week. And it's just a conversation between me and somebody in pro wrestling. So um, it's easy. It fits into my work week really nicely because it's not a lot. It's a little bit of prep and 30 minutes of recording and you're out. I'm a, I'm having a blast doing it. It's the best part of my week. Uh, now we're in association with the USA Today Sports Media Group. They actually work for the USA Today Network, I guess, which is technically all the sites that are within the you know umbrella underneath USA Today. But mm -hmm. um, the the podcast itself is now in association with US Sports Media Group and Wrestling Junkie, which is a new uh, wrestling site, like sort of like uh, it's a sister site basically to MMA Junkie um, through USA Today. That's so. Cool. Yeah, it's fun. You know, they basically asked me, well, if you start this, are you going to be able to get people from WWE and AEW? And I said, sure, why not? I didn't really know. But, you know, they they have good, uh, you know, yeah. I, I have good relationships with, with pretty much everybody. Um, it's 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 booking the show is probably the hardest part. Yeah. Well, tell me about it. We've uh, like I said, I, I can't thank you enough for, for finally being able to coming on to come on with us. But at least at least when I've messaged you, you've gotten back to me. Which is more yeah, than I can say. I, I try to be people. communicative. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's a great podcast. Check it out. Like you, like you said, it's, it's you know, only a half hour long. But I mean, if you're into wrestling, the, these guys, you know, they, they're very open. And like I said, Kofi Kingston. And then uh, you have the Eddie Kingston episode was was really, really great. You've done episodes with Mercedes Monet, with The Guns, with Claudio Castagnoli, with Jeff Jarrett, with Booker T. The thing I like to do with it is, you know, everything I do, like... Yeah, it's a wrestling podcast, but it's just wrestlers are some of the most interesting people I've ever interviewed. And I think <laughs> that I think interviewing is actually a skill that I possess. So mm. it's usually just good conversations with interesting people, sort of with wrestling in the background. Definitely. So 
if that is. if that strikes your fancy, I'll try to come up with some more uh, interesting and creative ones in the next few weeks that maybe are a little outside the box, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Excellent. Yeah. No, they're they're all really cool. I've, I've checked out a whole bunch, and, and they're great. So check it Appreciate out. That. I know there are wrestling fans that are that are listening to this. So check it out. Uh, and where can everybody find you on Twitter? That would be a couple places. Uh, Under the Ring on Twitter for uh, my wrestling stuff, and PJ Strum for everything that's not. I uh, wanted to separate those long ago because I figured the Sports and wrestling uh, audiences wouldn't always cross, but maybe they do. <laughs> <laughs> I think they definitely do. Well, thanks, Phil. This has been great. I hope you had a lot of fun. I, I really did. This was fun. Uh, let, let's find some more uh, obscure Islanders that I, oh. I, I I like going down rabbit holes. So this was a, ah. this was a good fit. There's yes, it's, no it's, shortage it's, of those guys. <laughs> it's what we do best. Point. Uh, Michael Leboff, any uh, final thoughts on Don Maloney, Darcy Regeer, or the legendary Garth McGuigan? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm happy. I, I'm just. I mean, we we got to talk about two different Garths, and um, I, I like I, I like this episode just because it was a lo- it was you know, weird Islanders. We we always talk about, or for the most part, players, and this one skewed more towards management. Which mm. with the Islanders, it's it's, and I mean every team, the general manager obviously is a huge deal, but uh, the Islanders' history with GMs and in in just my lifetime, you know, going from Bill Torrey. Uh, and and then you know decade or a little 15 years after he's done uh, as a GM that the backup goalie is the general manager Um, and that was a good thing because he replaced an absolute sociopath so like to go from Tory to to Maloney to Milbury to Snow with with Neil Smith sprinkled in between there Um, and and then to end up now with (laughs) Lula Amarillo like if you had told somebody (laughs) when Bill Tory was the GM you know, you're, you're going to have, you know, this Mike Milbury, this is what he's going to do. And then he's going to get replaced by a guy for 40 days. And then it's going to be the backup goalie, Gar Snow. And this is what he's going to do. Um, they'd probably be like, that's crazy. This is the Islanders. And then if you told me when the Islanders um, had Mike Milbury in charge, that we were going to then hop from Milbury to Garth Snow with, with no buffer from his playing days to his management days. And then to Lou Lamarillo. Hmm. Like, I mean, it's crazy. True, true. Because you could say Tori and, and Lamarillo, like, for, for all of Lou's f- faults with the way he's handled this roster, Tori and Lamarillo are probably top five general managers mm-hmm. of since, you know, the. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in between them was Mike Milbury. And, you know, we've, we've said nice things about Garth Snow, but he still was their backup goalie before he was right. the GM, right? Like so so to have those guys bookended, Tori and Lamarillo bookending uh mm. some of the guys we've talked about tonight. It's it's just what a Right. What this team is just It's crazy. It's crazy. It's almost like not to fall down another rabbit hole, but it's almost like Islanders goalies. Like if you go back and look at history, you have Smith and Resch for like six years and then Smith and Melanson for a bunch of years and then Smith and Rudy. So like there was very little turnover in the, you know, most volatile department in most teams for like literally 15 years. And then it's been a free for all ever since. Like it's a complete wild West between them. And now we have Ilya Sorokin, you know, so it's uh, maybe um, we finally found some stability after a long time, but I I like the Nabby years. We love Nabby, man. Yeah. We love him. (laughs) Nabby and Stan Fischler. They yeah. were a fun Best. vaudeville duo. Uh, I was interning yeah. for Stan when, when Nabby was there. So I, I had a front row seat to all that. And uh, my God, it was just the, the time of my life watching those two work together. 
Um, well, I would then- I, I would do anything to get Nabby back in, in the front office here. And I know he was working with San Jose for a while, so maybe yeah, maybe. Man. I'd like to see him in an alumni game just to just <sighs> well, to see him there. <laughs> just the, just yeah. the best. The best and though. and and Sorokin said that I'm pretty sure Nabokov was his like you know idol growing up. So oh, there you go. There's that connection as well. It's perfect connection. Uh, yeah, no, that's great. Well, maybe that's another episode for us. I got to go back and look <laughs> how many <laughs> games he played. Uh, Michael Lebov, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, the big Lebowski with two E's, and, and I have uh, good news. I sent Dan the link about that Gar Snow picture I alluded to before, um, mm. and I was half right. Oh yeah! Picture. Oh, I've seen this picture. Yeah, yeah. He's he is with a kid. He does have his mask off, but he's not leaning against the net. He's uh, you know, leaning over the the Islanders bench after a practice because he's got a practice jersey on, and and there's some kid who we got to track down holding <laughs> Gar Snow's helmet. Um, the, and what may, the what may be the lowest resolution photo ever published ever. on NHL.com. And this is uh, yeah, this is the picture they used, and the the headline is Gar Snow named GM. Mm. Subheadline: Neil Smith relieved of duties, and then yeah. there's the picture of Gar Snow as a goalie. What What's even crazier is the kid in that picture is uh, Charlie McAvoy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Long Island native. Yeah. Yes, Adam Fox. Actually, no, I'm just kidding. It's not Adam Fox. Either. But if you are that kid, please let us know. But I'll I'll include that in the article, and uh, and you can see because yeah, this is. This is exactly the way you'd probably announce that your backup goalie is now your GM. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another episode of Weird Islanders, the podcast. Read Lighthouse Hockey every day for as long as you can. It's a long story. You've already heard it. So just take a look there. Uh, listen to Islanders Anxiety. And uh, until we talk to you again, keep the Islanders weird. We'll talk to you again later. Bye-bye.